Okay, I think we're uh, we're on the air. Okay, so Kate, um, can you please tell our listeners where we are, what we're doing? Hey, everybody. We're in Kelowna, British Columbia. We're here for the Canadian Nationals. Western Nationals? What are we calling it? Uh, it's a, it's a compli- complicated term. The Can- I think they call it the Canada West Championships. What's to say on your bronze medal? Mark won a bronze medal in men's. I don't know. You've been we- you've been wearing it all day. I've been wearing it around know. town, pretending to be a really big deal. Yeah. Um. Twenty eighteen national championships, Kelowna, BC. National champion. National champion, bronze medal. Bronze medal champion. Of the national champions. So yeah. third third place. You're the second loser. So should we get down to business? Let's chat pickleball. <laughs> Let's chat pickleball. Um, so for our listeners, they will know that this is uh, a bit of an aberration. We're not always together. We live in different parts of the country, uh, but we work together. But on some rare occasions, including this one, we are in the same place working together and we try to use this as an opportunity to answer some listeners questions, um, for the podcast. We do. Mm -hmm. And while most of the people... Uh, who listen to Pickleball Problems, who have questions for Pickleball Problems, call in to one eight three three pickle b which is one eight three three seven four two five five three two. Not everyone does that. No, occasionally we get emails, and we would prefer voicemails, but we'll take the emails too. We take the emails. We've, yeah. Well, we we'll can uh, we can solve all sorts of Pickleball Problems, whether they're audio or by email. It gives me a job. <laughs> That's right. So uh, let's get down to business. Let's get started. Um, Do you have a question for us? I do. So the first one coming in says, I had a coach once tell me that I should never return serve with my backhand. Is this right? From Marsha in Kissimmee, Florida. So Marsha, I've heard this too. And I've got to say, I disagree. There's an assumption built into what the coach is saying. The assumption is that your backhand is bad that you can't hit a backhand well, that you can't put it deep in the court or you can't direct it where you want or you can't hit it with enough speed or enough spin to cause trouble for the opponents hitting their third shot. But what if you have a great backhand? Like me. Like you, Kate. What if you have a great backhand? My backhand is my strength, Mark. Or even a decent backhand. Then you could hit your backhand and still hit a successful, effective return of serve. Another question to ask is, what do you give up when you apply the strategy of never hitting a backhand when you hit a return of serve? Well, let's imagine this. Let's imagine your opponent serves out wide on the left side. I'm assuming you're right-handed, Marsha. They serve out wide from the left side towards your backhand. And you decide, because the coach told you to never hit your backhand, you go way out to your left, way off the court to hit your forehand. And you hit a beautiful shot, and it's terrific. But the problem is, Marsha... You are now way off the court when you're hitting that return of serve. And that means that you have a long way to run when you're heading up to the kitchen. The non-volley zone is a long way away when you run around your backhand to hit a forehand, which makes it much more likely that you won't get there in time to be well set up to receive that third shot from your opponents. Or that you have to hit such a high, slow ball that you have enough time to get up there that it's really sort of an easy shot for your opponents. So... 
my suggestion, Marsha, I'm sorry to contradict one of the coaches out there, is learn to hit a backhand, at least a mediocre one. I mean, maybe it'd be nice if you had a great one like Kate, but at least a at least an average backhand that you can put deep in the court, that you can direct where you want, and that way you won't have to work so hard to avoid your backhand. It'll be a lot easier getting to the kitchen. Password is donkey. Hey, Mark. Kate. I've got another question from Ron in Ohio. Okay. He says, I'm a 3.5 player, and I've heard that if you've got him back, you should keep them back. But I've also heard that I should hit to where my opponents aren't. These theories seem contradictory. Am I missing something? I've also heard that if you've got them back, you should keep them back. And my question to you, Ron, is do you want to keep them back or do you want to win the point? And I think you want to win the point. Look, when your opponents are well behind the baseline, maybe because you've hit a great deep return of serve and you push them back when they play their third shot, or somehow during the point you've got them pushed back, you could keep hitting that ball deep, pushing them back behind the baseline. And that's fine. They're not going to do a lot of damage from so far back, which, you know, is good for you. However, by hitting back deep to where they are, you're actually hitting a ball right to them. And if you're hitting right to them, you're not really causing that much trouble. At best, you're sort of neutralizing them. So what else could you do instead? Well, you could just play a drop. You could just hit the ball gently into the kitchen, remove the speed of their shot, make them run. And if you hit this ball well, when they're back behind the baseline, if you hit it so it lands at least once in the kitchen, preferably twice, but at least once in the kitchen, there's a really good chance that you are going to win the point with that shot. Or at best for them, they're going to get their paddle on that ball in a really weak position. They're going to pop it up and you can put it away. So my suggestion to you, Ron, yeah, if they're hitting really amazing drives from behind the baseline and you just need to weather the storm, that's fine. Just keep it back deep. They're not going to do much damage. But if their drives aren't that great or whatever shot they're hitting isn't that difficult for you, consider playing a drop, a really gentle ball into the kitchen. Make them run. Make them chase the ball. There's a very good chance that if they do get it back, and that's a big if, that's going to be something easy for you to put away. In the beginning, we gave you unlimited power and asked just one thing in return. Just one thing. Just keep it in. What were we thinking? Mistakes were made. Lives were lost. But this time, just relax. We've got you covered. Selkirk. Power. Control. No compromise. So Tom from Cyberspace asked a question that I actually see a lot come through both our emails and across places like the Pickleball Forum. Tom says, more and more people are talking about hitting the serve hard, but this seems dumb to me. Why would I take any risk with it? It's not like I'm going to hit an ace. Why wouldn't I just get it in and try to build the point from there? This is something you cover a lot in your clinics, is it not? It is something that we often talk about. In the bad old days of pickleball, the serve and the return were considered shots that were sort of meaningless. You just kind of start the point with them. The real game, so they say, starts at the third shot. But this simply isn't true. And when you watch the pros play, it's very clear that this isn't true. The serve and the return are an opportunity to gain an advantage, to cause some trouble for your opponents. And what... What's our, what's our listener's name? Is it Tom? Tom in cyberspace. Yeah. 
I, I love cyberspace. It's a beautiful place. Um, a lot of palm trees in cyberspace. And so what Tom is articulating is one of the fallacies that's out there, which is that you have two choices. Either hit an unreturnable serve, an ace, or just get it in play. And it's not true. Those aren't your only options. That's a false choice. Just because I'm not hitting a winning serve that my opponents can't get back and play doesn't mean that my serve was meaningless. Here's an example. Let's say that I'm the weak player and I'm playing with someone really, really good. Like Friendly Kate. Like Friendly Kate. Friendly Kate is an amazing pickleball player. And if Friendly Kate and I are playing pickleball together, you do not want to hit the ball to her. You want to get it back to me. So when we hit our serve, if I hit a nothing serve, if I just get it in play the way some of the people are suggesting to you, if I just get that serve in play, it's probably going to be pretty easy for my opponents to hit that ball back to me to avoid the strong player, to avoid friendly Kate, right? But if, on the other hand, I hit my serve like I mean it, I hit it with some speed or some spin or I hit it towards a weakness like a backhand or I make my opponents move, there's a pretty good chance that they can't get that ball back exactly to me, that they hit that ball back in the middle of the court or maybe even they hit it back to Kate directly. And then all of a sudden, my team has an advantage because now our stronger player, friendly Kate, is hitting the third shot. And that's a really good thing for us. So I would suggest, Tom, in cyberspace, that you don't think about your serve as a chance to win the point outright, but instead you think about it as a chance to create an opportunity. And that opportunity is to force your opponents to hit a less than ideal return of serve. And that could be that it's short or that it's high or that's to your forehand instead of your backhand, or that's to your stronger player instead of your weaker player. And that is a win for you. You've won that little battle with your serve. So yes, you shouldn't go for so much that you're going to create a lot of errors and a lot of missed serves, but also I think that you can probably do a little bit more than just get it in. So we have another email from Kara in Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. This is a very friendly Kate question. It says, I found that I play way better when I have a beer or two in me. Are there any rules against this? Oh, well, Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia is a beautiful place, and there is some delicious beer. As far as I know, the World Anti-Doping Agency has not uh, mandated that pickleball players cannot drink beer before they play. So I would say, Kara, go for it. I think this is the point where you crack a can in the line. Do you have an amazing pickleball product or service that you want to tell our listeners about? Well, let us help you. Kate, can we send you an email? Please do. Kate at thirdshotsports.com. <laughs> now it's time for one of my favorite segments. Good idea, bad idea. Different paddles for singles and doubles. Bad idea. Tournaments where you can lose but still win a gold medal by coming through the back draw. Good idea. Stacking. Usually a good idea. Using lots of spin on your serve. Great idea. Using lots of spin on your drops. Terrible idea. <laughs> Lobbing. Good idea against people who are slow. 
bad idea against everyone else. Running around your backhand to hit your forehand. Good idea if you're fast, bad idea if you're slow. Backhand serves. Almost always a bad idea. Hmm. Poaching. Good idea, mostly. Dink only games. Bad idea. Why? Dinking only games are generally bad ideas because they require people to only hit balls slowly. And if you're receiving a high ball in a dinking only game, you still have to hit that ball slowly. But what would you do in a real game if you received a high ball? Well, you would hammer it. You would hit it fast, and you should hit that ball fast. That's the whole point of trying to get those balls high. And so when you play dinking-only games, or I've even heard of people playing dinking-only tournaments, you are now teaching your players, forcing your players to do the wrong thing, to receive a high ball and yet still hit it slowly. So I think that dinking-only games, bad idea. Mark. Kate. Have you told them recently? about the contest we're running. Is that a contest where the winner receives a lifetime supply of pickle juice? No, no, the other contest. Oh, remind me again? We're giving away a trip for two to Indian Wells, California to the 2018 USAPA National Championships. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We're doing this all by ourselves, right? No. Obviously, we're with our best buds over at Silk Group Sport. Oh, yeah, I love those guys. They're so nice. We've teamed up, and we're giving away a trip. Giving away a trip, hotel, rental car, private lessons, merchandise. Wait, wait, wait. Who's giving the lessons? Uh, this, you may not have heard of him. His name's Mark Bredesen. Oh, that guy sounds great. Ah, uh, he's all right. <laughs> he's a pretty good dude. Uh, he mostly knows what he's talking about when it comes to pickleball coaching, so... Oh, that's insane. How do I enter? You need to go to thirdchestsports.com slash contests. And actually, we're running a different contest every week. We want to keep it fresh, keep it lively. Some weeks we nominate somebody in our pickleball community we really respect that works hard. Some weeks we uh, run like a caption contest on a photo. There's always something new going on. And uh, there's 22 chances to get your name into the drop. Oh, and it costs a lot to enter this, this uh, draw, right? No purchase necessary. What? That's crazy. Hustle on over to thirdshotsports.com slash contest. Oh, you can't even enter. Third Shot Sports employees are exempt, Mark. Oh, uh, no. Going to the USAPA National Championships. Good idea, bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea. But is it a good idea? But I'm not sure it's a good idea either. <laughs> Look, I get it. It's smaller than a regular pickleball, and so you have to focus a little bit more in order to hit it, I guess. And if you wanted to like really be fancy, you get a marble-sized wiffle ball. But just become really good with a regular pickleball before you start fooling around with a golf ball. Is the juice worth the squeeze? The juice is not worth the squeeze. Good idea, bad idea. Prize money for tournaments. Great idea. If you want to get better players coming to the game, you've got to have more money there. Follow-up. Equal prize money for men and women. Great idea.
this is why we work together. Look, if you want to keep growing the game, if you want to encourage more women to come in and more women to be awesome pickleball players, you better have that money be equal to that that it is with the men. And there's no reason that it shouldn't be. USAPA Nationals in California. Good idea, bad idea. Awesome idea. I can't wait. I hope people enter our contest where we're sending two people to the Nationals along with our friends over at Selkirk Sport. Head over to thirdshotsports.com slash contests and you can maybe win your name into the grand prize draw where you can get a trip for two, airfare, car, hotel, private lessons, Selkirk gear. It's a win-win situation. It's a win-win-win. Good idea, bad idea. Switching hands. Almost always, terrible idea. Why? Because people are, we've talked about this on a previous podcast, but most people are not ambidextrous. Most people do things very poorly with their non-dominant hand. And if you try to do something like hit a pickleball with your non-dominant hand, maybe you can get the ball back in play. It's very unlikely you're going to hit a high quality shot. So I guess if you're desperate and the alternative is that you don't get the ball back at all, sure, switch your hands. But really, the focus should be on moving better and hitting better back ends. Prizes besides trophies or medals. Great idea. The people who win all the prizes and medals, trophies, they're tired of finding mantle space, or a lot of them are. Not all, a lot of them are. But I know a lot of people would way rather have, actually, at the tournament today, bottle of wine, bottle of wine, and some cash. I would love a bottle of wine and some cash. <laughs> Drinks and dinner, right there. I was looking for a Christmas gift idea for Friendly Cage. <laughs> I would love a bottle of wine and some cash. I've seen some tournaments that give away uh, watches. Other tournaments give away uh, gift certificates for like local businesses. You can go spend your money at like a local business, nice restaurant. Um, I've seen other places. What else have I seen? Local winery. Love it. Anyways, let's move on. What about choosing a side when you win the toss? Good idea. Very often the side matters a lot, whether it's wind or sun. So if you're playing indoors, it doesn't matter at all, typically. If you're playing outdoors, um, wind and sun are more of a factor than whether you get the first serve or second. So this next question is a little sensitive. Uh, anonymous writes, I recently attended a pickleball clinic with a well-known coach. It was, unfortunately, not so hot. This person paid too much attention to the better players and pretty much ignored the others. What is the best way to address this? Should I ask for my money back? Post about it online? Something else. I'd like your advice. Anonymous in Mississippi. Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. Look, pickleball coaching is a business. And coaches who are doing this to earn a living should run it like a business. And just like any other business that you might take part in, whether you're shopping for clothes or going to a restaurant or buying some product or service, you have a certain expectation for what you're receiving for the money that you pay. And I think it's fair to give feedback to the seller about whether they met your expectations or not. I mean, it's one of the reasons, Kate, you know this. You, After all of our clinics, we put out a, a survey. It's totally anonymous, so people don't have to put their names. We hope that means that they can be candid about it. And we publish all the 
the comments online so people can see we don't edit them or anything. Because to me, that's really valuable feedback. I realize that we don't always do everything perfectly. And I want to know from our participants when something isn't perfect. I don't know if this coach that this person's writing about, I hope it's not me. I don't think it's me. I don't know if that if this coach has some sort of mechanism in place where people can give that feedback. I hope that they would, but they might not. I see two constructive ways to deal with this. One requires a little bit of bravery and the other less. The first is just to write an email to this person and to say, hey, I was in your clinic and I'd like to give you some feedback. Here's what I thought about it. Everyone paid the same amount of money to be there. We all deserve the same amount of your attention. A second way to do it, if you don't feel comfortable revealing yourself in that way, is just make up a fake email address. It's really easy. Right? Friendlykate at gmail.com. Hey, don't throw me out of the bus. Um, but no, go and seriously, make a, make a fake email account and just write and say, hey, I was in one of your clinics and I just wanted to give you some feedback. I noticed that you seem to spend more time with the better players. And I don't think that's fair. I think the underlying message here is give this coach the feedback directly, whether it be using your own name or doing it anonymously. My suspicion is, is that this coach isn't doing it on purpose, right? If they are doing this as a business and they're trying to earn a living by coaching, then they would want to make their students slash customers happy. And I think there's a good chance that they are unaware that the way that they're spending the time is different depending on the level of the players. And so I think it's worthwhile. You'd be doing them a favor, believe it or not, by letting them know that this is how you feel. I know I would feel whenever people give feedback, um, especially if they attach a name to it or send an email, we always respond and say, thanks for letting us know. Even if it's feedback that we is sort of tough to hear. But I do think that um, people get better as professionals when they get constructive criticism from people who are involved in their clinics. So bottom line, tell them. Tell them. And we'll leave it there. Thanks to everyone who called in or emailed in this week. If you have a pickleball problem, I would love to hear about it. Give me a call at 1-833-PICKLEBEE. That's 1-833-742-5532. Tell me what's going on, what you think I can do to help. Thanks as always to our listeners for listening, and thanks to Friendly Kate for making her way out to Kelowna, British Columbia, so we can sit down and talk pickleball problems one-on-one. Don't forget to head over to our website, thirdshotsports.com slash contests, if you want a chance to win that trip for two to the 2018 USAPA National Championships, and head over to Third Shot Sports on Facebook to see all sorts of awesome pickleball stuff. All right, later. Thank you.